Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the best, run with the Game Changers right here on Internet of Things with Game Changers. I am so thrilled to announce that this is the season opener for year eight of this Game Changers series. Very, very happy to be here. We're going to talk about an important topic, Journey to the Cloud, Accelerating Post-COVID Transformation. And that is on everybody's mind at a business level, at a personal level. So I'm going to start off before I introduce my two guests. And if you're on video, if you're seeing us on Zoom later on, you will see my guests already. But I have a buzz quote from Forbes.com, a contributor named Bob Zukas. Let's listen up. He said, CEOs are looking ahead to their post-COVID challenges. Nowhere is this challenging more daunting, challenge more daunting than figuring out if the global pandemic and its far-reaching impacts have created a temporary shock to their markets or a permanent shift in them. Now think about that. Is this a quick ripple or is this a tidal wave? No, no weather pun intended or climate change. So let me do a little more background here, context, and then we'll hear from our guests. As the world gradually emerges from the global pandemic, it looks like it's moving along pretty well right now. We expect 2020s business and digital transformation trends to accelerate. Not right now. This is mid-March 2021, early March. We're looking at maybe the second half. While these complex and disruptive business shifts will differ by industry, line of business, and region, and you all know in our global audience, you know what we're talking about, all acknowledge that adapting to the new reality, and that's my term, somebody stole that, requires change across all business functions. So as business and tech experts last year planned for reopening, and that we are seeing that now, and transformation acceleration, strong themes emerged. The impact of the pandemic on the business demand and supply equation, okay, supply and demand, there you go. People want it, you gotta make it, you gotta get it to them. How the business ecosystem will adjust, how technology will help accelerate it. We always love to talk about disruptive technologies. I don't know if they're emerging anymore, I think they're here, but they're still disrupting. The changing workforce, come on, you all know about that. Whether you own a business, you lead a business, you're looking for a job, you have a job. Contract workers, remote workers, who isn't? Part-time workers, the gig workers, oh my goodness. Coming back virtually or physically, and they have new expectations, something called the employee experience. We used to talk about customer experience, now we talk about employee experience, keeping workers motivated and loyal, but you've also got to attract the best talent for your new business demands. So we have Riyad Samichi from SAP, welcome Riyad, and Craig Stasilov from SAP. Craig's been on many, many times with me and Riyad is a newcomer to Game Changers. We're going to ask them about this perfect storm that will require us all to adapt to multi-dimensional shifts in industry, in technology, and how we work. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham again. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's get this party started. Riyad Samichi, we'd love to meet you. I'm going to put you on speaker view. And Riyad, please spend a couple minutes telling us about who you are, what you do, what brought you to this stage where you are a specialist, a leader, an expert on this topic, so people will know why you're here. Riyad, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for the introductions. Uh, so I'm Riyad Samichi. I work at SAP in the global go-to-market team for platform and technologies. I uh, will have over 20 years, I guess, in this industry. It's been a quite a journey. Started off in consulting fresh out of college, uh, overwhelmed at the time, <laughs> and uh, spent many, many years in front of customers, you know, as, as a newcomer. 
as a rookie and then um, did a lot of transformation projects on the ground in Europe, transformation across industries. And then uh, I moved to the U.S. and this time I, I did similar projects, but I was on the customer side. And uh, I'm still trying to figure out which was more challenging between the two worlds, quite frankly, on the customer side or on the vendor side or the provider side. Um, I did transformation work there, and then I did a little bit of IoT work uh, for a defense contractor, working with DoD. And then um, I came back to SAP to do uh, more business transformation, cloud transformation work. And more recently, I've uh, joined this global team. This is my first go-to-market role, quite frankly. And as you can see, there's been a lot of roles, uh, different regions, different industries. Learned a lot, always learning, um, and quite everything is changing all the time, all the time. You got to be nimble. And uh, what I learned is that, you know, I'm always meeting new people. So I'm always adjusting to the new trends. And today's reality is very different from when I started, quite frankly. So but very excited about what's to come. Really interesting background. I didn't realize you were on both sides. And you said you started out with transformation as a consultant, didn't know what you're doing in the early days. Were we even talking about transformation back then? I don't know how many years ago. I don't know. I don't know your exact years of history, but was transformation a thing back then, Riyadh? It was late 90s. We were all talking Y2K, you know, that stuff. We were consolidating data centers. Everybody was talking about transformation. Very different connotation than today, obviously. But uh, the workload was as you know heavy as what it is right now, right? And it's, and it's just accelerating. And it's Thank been like a, a rocket ship ever since. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate your perspective. And that gives us context of why you're here. And that's what people want to know. Why should we listen to Riyadh? Well, he knows what he's talking about. Thank you, Riyadh. I appreciate that. Craig, welcome back. I think you were on one of my prediction specials just a couple of months ago. So we've been on Zoom together. Nice to see you. You've got a wonderful headset on there, very official looking. <laughs> so Craig, I'm going to say what I always say to returning guests. In case there are, let's say in your case, 3.75 people, I don't know who the 0.75 are, but there's somebody who don't remember who you are. I'm going to say shame on them. And Craig, why don't you refresh their memory on who you are? Welcome back, Craig. Sure. It's great to be back, Bonnie. Uh, my name is Craig Stasila. I'm based in Indianapolis, Indiana. I too work for SAP, uh, but like Riyadh, have uh, many, many years. Actually, most of my career was uh, outside of SAP, but still kind of uh, in the IT ecosystem. Uh, out of college. Also, I started as a consultant uh, right around the Y2K time when if you could use a computer, you were a valuable consultant. Uh, so uh, that was that was where I got my start and, uh, you, you know, did a lot of uh, consulting work with uh, partners, with customers, and then eventually ended up at uh, a uh, at a company that really focused on doing uh, integration work and doing a lot of uh, SAP implementations and business transformations. And uh, while I was there, I started a, a, a business practice of uh, helping out companies integrate their software solutions uh, with the broader SAP ecosystem. So I did that for about five years uh, prior to joining SAP about five years ago. Uh, and I still kind of do that work. So uh, like Riyadh, uh, I have uh, at differing points of view, uh, not only as a uh, you know as a company that's implementing software, but then also as a partner that's uh, helping companies implement software, uh, and also you know running teams, uh, running an organization, and and knowing how to 
you know, hire people, get the right talent, uh, locate the right talent, do the professional development. Uh, so yeah, yeah, really, uh, you know, a lot has changed uh, in the last few years in all those regards. And I'm happy to talk about that today. Thank you very much. Nice to welcome you back, Craig. I'm so intrigued you both mentioned Y2K. Yes, I asked the question <laughs> about transformation. I was working as a marketing director for a business software company years before I, I learned about SAP, before I was engaged and hired by SAP, first as a contractor, then full-time. And I remember that thing called Y2K. And I remember the fear and the planning. And I remember we were told nobody planned to go on vacation, to go anywhere. You will all be required possibly to be in the office 24 hours a day around that time, that whether it was, I don't remember the day of the week, Y2K actually happened. But if anybody listening is too young to know what Y2K is, it's capital Y, the numeral two and the capital letter K, look it up. It's when we went from 1999 to 2000. Craig and Riyadh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. And the fear was that computers wouldn't know how to convert from the 1900s in the data fields to the 2000s. And there would be a major disruption in computer systems and reporting and anything that had to do with technology. And it was a huge fear that rippled around the world. As a matter of fact, I wrote a couple of years ago, I wrote a couple of romantic comedy plays. And one of them was centered around two people meeting through a dating service at Penn Station in New York. And when they got to know each other, he was a programmer who was a contractor at the time of Y2K. And he was on call and he, in my play, made a bundle of money and was able to retire after Y2K because he was on call to do some of the coding to fix the systems to be able to do 2000. And they took his great vacation. The marriage didn't last and it was a three three act play, but they stayed together because of the cabbie. Don't even ask, but it was a fun, a fun plot. But I remember this gentleman was, was one of my was one of my two key characters in the play and uh, yes y2k front and center thank you both great bios really appreciate your expertise and you're bringing it here to us today so let me tell my listeners this is the part of the show where i've asked riyad and craig to send me a quote that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic today and it's a quote from a movie a song a tv show we've expanded it recently to comedians and to tv ads somebody quoted the think different ad from apple on the show yesterday very interesting so we're very broad-based, but it has to be a cultural reference, not a real person. And Riyad Smichi has sent us a quote from The Irishman, a 2019 American epic crime film. And I watched the clip. Let me just tell you, the title on screen of the movie, I guess you know this, Riyad, is I Heard You Paint Houses. That's the title. And it was directed by Martin Scorsese. Does it get any better than that? Based on a 2004 nonfiction book, I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt, stars the, the godfathers of acting, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Bobby Cannavale, one of my favorites, Ray Romano, my goodness, Stephen Graham, Anna Paquin, Harvey Keitel. Does a cast get any more wonderful than that? So here is the quote. I watched the clip and no, there are no bad words in this, Riyadh, but you can give the context and you're going to tell us how it relates to our topic. So the quote is, you might be demonstrating a failure to show appreciation. I've shot more like Rocky than that. But anyway, it's just from Russell Buffalino, played by Joe Pesci, to Jimmy Hoffa. Aha, the long lost Jimmy Hoffa, played by Al Pacino. Pacino. Riyadh, I'm putting you on speaker view. How'd you pick the quote? And what in the world does it have to do with our topic? You know, I, I just saw the movie like six months ago. And I just think this is, this is a fascinating movie. And this scene in particular, where you see, you know, these huge characters, right? Uh, with both of them, each of them having something going on, a lot going on in the background. 
And there's this back and forth where, you know, uh, the mobster played by Joe Pesci is trying to convince him to, you know, Jimmy Hoffa to change course. And then he comes up, uh, he comes up with that quote saying, I think you're showing a lack of appreciation. And I think it's very, um, especially in, in the world we live in, when we have each and every one of us has a lot going on. Um, I think what, what, that, what that scene shows is that Jimmy Hoffa pretty much is ignoring the signals, is not picking up on the signals, even though there's a lot of back and forth in the scene between the two characters, a big dialogue, right, between the two of them. And I think, um, uh, and obviously you'll see in the movie and probably you know in reality that it doesn't end up well for Jimmy Hoffa, right, in the end, right? But, but the, the point here is that there's always a lot of dialogue and a lot of communications between characters and between stakeholders who have a lot going on each on every side and we have to learn to um, pick up on the signals it's very interesting to see people with a lot of responsibility no matter how many times Joe Pesci or the mobster Buffalino tells Jimmy Hoffa a few things just for him to pick up on the signals he does not pick up on the signals mm -hmm. as we move forward in this world I think we all have to even sharpen up I mean we have to sharpen up even more our listening skills and pick up on the signals from people who who have, who have um, very big uh, responsibilities and who can give you tips on how to better maneuver in this world. That's, that's my point of view. Very well. Whoops, we got an echo here. Okay. I think it's gone. We're getting a big echo. Thank you, Riyadh. That was, I thought it was a stretch, but you explained it very well. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was a very interesting, very tense scene. I, I yeah. watched the clip. Uh, it's on YouTube and just go look for the Irishman. And the quote is, you might be demonstrating a failure to show appreciation. appreciation. You put that into your search bar, the clip will come up and it's about two minutes and 14 seconds, I think. And it's very telling. So <laughs> a little threatening, but very, very telling. What's he talking about? Well, okay. Thank you very much. Craig Stassel has sent us a quote a little, little less threatening from a scene from Mad Men, season six, episode 13. And the title of the episode is In Care Of. Anybody did not live through that era. I binge watched the whole, the whole series, I think, in five weeks, six weeks, a couple of years ago. Mad Men, American period drama TV series created by Matthew Weiner, produced by Lionsgate TV on the cable network AMC from 2007 to 2015. Seven seasons, 92 episodes, I saw them all. Its fictional time frame is March 1960 to November 1970. And in this final episode of season six, Don Draper, played by John Hamm, self-destructs. Pete Campbell, I'll give you the quote in a second, experiences his own decline and fall and Peggy inherits an office. You have to all watch that. That's uh, Elizabeth Moss. Here's the, the starts out the scene with Bob Benson, who is played by James Wolk. And he is a recurring character, a new hire, and nobody remembers ever having hired him. So he's almost right. Craig, he's like a phantom. Mm -hmm. And Bob Benson, played by the very handsome James Wolk, says, how are you? And Pete Campbell, played by Vincent Carthizer, says, not great, Bob. So the quote Craig picked is, not great, Bob. Boy, do we need context on this. Craig, I'm putting you on speaker view. Go ahead. I love this. Sure. Uh, so today is March 9th, 2021. Uh, I remember exactly the day and the time when my entire life uh, was upended because of COVID. And it was uh, March 11th, 2020. And I remember watching, I was actually watching an NBA basketball game that got canceled. And at the same time, news came out that Tom Hanks 
uh, uh, got COVID. And oh, yeah. uh, about 48 hours later, my kid's school was canceled. Uh, my wife was away on a work trip uh, that had to get prematurely canceled. Mm -hmm. And my entire life got turned upside down. And that's my story. My guess is uh, every single one of us has a very similar story of, of how COVID impacted them and completely turned their lives upside down. So not great, Bob, has been how I've been doing since then. So it's uh, I've been able to uh, maintain, I've been able to survive, but I'm not necessarily thriving. Uh, I happen to be here in my basement. Uh, and while things are okay, things are not great. Bob, uh, not great. But, uh, you know, there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel with uh, with COVID. But even with uh, all of the vaccinations that are happening and the fact that uh, mask wearing and social distancing seems to be driving a lot of those infection rates down and the hospitalization rates down, uh, we're still, yes, and that's definitely something to cheer about. Uh, you know, I think uh, each and every one of us still have a lot of change that is still going to be coming. So, you know, as we navigate that change, as we navigate the, the next normal or new normal, you know, those are, those are all things that we each are going to individually need to cope with and uh, work on our own, uh, you know, own mental health and, and just to make sure that we're all doing the best that we can. So while right now I'm not doing great, Bob, uh, I hope to be doing better soon. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. And Craig, do you think businesses are staying the sa saying the same thing if you said to, we don't talk about customers and clients on the show, but the companies you work with, let's keep this mm -hmm. as a thought leader, and the companies Riyadh works with, do you think they would still be saying, not great, Bob, in two months from now, in four months from now, just a, a little looking ahead. Craig, what do you think? Can we get rid of that quote soon? Uh, I really hope so. Like, and and it really, I think the next three to four months are, are truly going to be the inflection point. You know, um, just just talking with you know people, actually a lot of friends who who aren't even in the IT industry, but just like neighbors and and you know as I'm walking my dog, you know, having those outdoor conversations as as the only safe conversations that you can have. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of trepidation for the, we'll say the short and medium term, but I do believe that, uh, you know, companies, industries, uh, a lot of enterprises uh, over the summer are going to start to reevaluate and start to open back up and things like business travel and in-person meetings will actually start to return. And it really won't be until then that I think, you know, we'll all start to feel a little bit more normal and, and getting back to the regular, you know, our, our regular lives pre-COVID-19. COVID Oh, we wish. Yes. And we're, we're looking for that. I think there's a whole discussion that we won't have today about opening too early, too soon and mandates and all that. We won't go there, but there is some light at the end of the tunnel. So we're hoping we can turn that not great Bob into much better. Thank you, right. Bob. Yes, we hope. And I wish they'd bring Mad Men back. I'm sorry. I thought it was one of the, <laughs> the, the coolest. I've been to a lot of series since then, but it was great. Yes, it was about advertising men on Mad Avis, Madison Avenue. And apparently people in the industry don't even use that term. It was invented by, I think, an ad agency, but it wasn't really in use. Let's go to the roundtable part of the show. My guests have graciously sent me six statements each. Let's see how much we can cover about this topic. And if you're just tuning in, this is the debut of C 
season eight of Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio, one of our longest running series I started many years ago. Craig and Riyadh, let's do a thank you to Dana Corder. Can we put our hands together here on Zoom and clap for Dana? And I'll tell you why. Dana has been working with me for a couple of years on this series, and Dana just informed me that she is going from contractor to full-time inside employee. She's been offered a permanent role, and I'm very happy to work with Dana and very proud of her. She's done a wonderful job pulling together <laughs> topics and guests, at least for the last year, I think farther back than that. So Dana, we are your fans. We are we are your supporters and we're very happy to be working with you. And the topic today, I'll get to it eventually, is Journey to the Cloud, Accelerating Post-COVID Transformation. I'm here with Riyadh Samichi and Greg Stasela, both of SAP. So let's go look at statement number one that Riyadh sent me. I'll read the statement. It's brief, Riyadh. I'll ask you to take two to three minutes, however much you want, talking about this. Expand it. Then, Craig, I will challenge you to agree or disagree. And don't be afraid of Riyadh, Craig, if you want to disagree. It's okay. You're on right separate, <laughs> separate screens here. I'll protect you. So here's the quote. Here's the statement from Riyadh. The COVID pandemic has forced organizations of all sizes in all industries to rethink how they run every part of the business. Many are coming out with an increased sense of urgency and a more comprehensive execution plan. Riyadh, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell me more. Yeah, so needless to say that everything has changed in our life, uh, lifestyles. You know, our, our core has been shaken by this COVID pandemic, right? So, uh, so you know, organization are not abstract concepts. These are, you know, large uh, structures that are made of people, and every one of these uh, stakeholders has been deeply, deeply affected by, by this pandemic. So, you know, uh, as, we, as we're working under the you know, normal conditions, we always have, you know, priorities that we're resetting or, you know, changing all the time. And uh, we always have a lot of things that we keep in the back burner and we'll get to it when we get to it after the next priority is completed, right? So, so but, but as we come out of this, we've, we've, had about a, we've had a year of thinking this over, right? And, and we've had massive disruptions in not just in the supply chain, but also in finance, also in shared services, also in obviously the employees have been impacted massively, right, uh, at their core. Uh, so every single function of these organizations and also every single relationship, the business to business relationships also have been infected. Like Craig mentioned, uh, you know, the face-to-face -face meeting meetings could not happen. Uh, business travel obviously is out of the picture. Uh, so every single uh, uh, you know transaction or process has been is up for review, I would guess. And as we've taken the time, even though the, it's been pretty hectic, right? Even as we've been working from home, but as we take, but we've also taken the time to, to take some perspective about these things, right? And I think people are coming back. Um, with with uh, with a better perspective and a better you know it's like when you're when you're out for a week and you come back and now we've been out for a year and I think they're determined at this point or at least I am in, in some aspects of what I do on a daily basis uh, to do things a little bit better to improve the, the process to improve my relationship with this department to improve my relationship with this partner or this stakeholder right. And so, and, and, and I think now it's time they're going to put everything on the table. And I think as they, as things reemerge, as they get to, you know, get to see each other again, I think we should expect a massive acceleration of the, pro, of the different transformation programs. We should expect things that were in the back now be, becoming top priority. Um, and and I, I think, I think uh, we're going to go through a, a really accelerated, accelerated change. And, We've always been in, a, in, this, tech, in this industry in, in a hectic mode, right? We've always been in mission critical or a sense of urgency. We've always had that. But I think this time it's, it's heightened, right? 
And I think there's no, there's no, there's no room for, uh, you know, we got to do it. The decisions are going to be more rapid and people are going to be more willing to be flexible and agile and to, and to run much faster. So this is, this is the difference with this pandemic. Craig Stasela, agree or disagree with Riyadh? Add some of your own flavor to that. Go ahead, Craig. Sure. It, largely, I, I agree with what Riyadh said. The, the pace of change, uh, I think, has forever uh, been modified or altered by COVID. Uh, COVID, I don't think, really uh, did anything fund or changed any fundamentals that, that were out in the market already as far as you know, uh, trends as work goes, trends as far as supply chain goes, trends as far as digitalization goes. It just, it just sped everything up probably uh, by a factor of 10. Uh, so, you know, where, where things were already trending from, where people were working, how people were working, uh, you know, I'm in my basement, uh, you know, I, but, I, you know, I have personally worked from home uh, for the last five years, uh, but there are a lot more people that now are going to be working from home and, and you know, doing a, a variety of different home-based tasks and, mm -hmm. and work tasks and mixing them. Uh, like this morning, I, I woke up, I fed my dogs, I checked email for about a half an hour, responded to a bunch of emails, then I took my children to school, then I came home, and now I'm doing this. So the, my work-life balance is, is different, right? And mm -hmm. you know, for me, this has been the normal for the last five years, but now there's a lot more people that, that are like me that are having to balance working at home uh, and, and their lives. And I think COVID really has made a lot more of that acceptable. Uh, it, you know, and I don't think that we're going back to having needing everybody in the office nine to five, uh, really anytime soon. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And and the questions of who makes those decisions, right, Craig, right, Riyadh, who makes those decisions? Which businesses open? Which schools open? Which restaurants open? Which states open? A lot of lot of disparity and a lot of question marks right now. But yes, the speed. Riyadh, your your point is very well taken. And you mentioned, I believe, early when you started speaking, Riyadh, that businesses were always had an urgency to transform. But it was wouldn't you say it was something in the background as well? In in my industry, we see some newcomers blurring industry boundaries, and mm -hmm. we'd better deal with the newcomers because they're intruding on our market share. But it wasn't a general OMG everybody's got to do it right now. This is a global urgency. This is mm -hmm. if you manage to survive, if you manage to keep your business going, now that the openings are happening, now that things are getting better and opening up, please let's keep that momentum going and figure out how to do it better and not have this kind of disruption again, ever, ever, ever. Am I right? <laughs> there is, that's the kind of urgency and it's global. It's everybody at the same time. It doesn't matter. As I said in the opening and you both, it doesn't matter what industry, what region, where you are, it's hurry up and make it better. Riyadh, talk. Go ahead. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, I think what we used to do um, pre-pandemic, you know, the work, I'm not saying it wasn't important. These, this is, this is baseline work. And I think we're going to have to figure out how to do it better, faster, cheaper, uh, more efficiently, you name it. Right. And then I think there's a whole body of work, new work that's coming up because as a result of this pandemic. And this is why we need to do better because we got to automate as much as we can. We got to mm -hmm. make it much more efficient because there's this whole new body of work that's coming at us as a result of this pandemic. We are going to consolidate supply chains. We're going to reroute 
inventory. We are going to uh, do a better job at, at managing our shared services people. We're going to focus on the customer. We are going to invent new business models and on and on and on. And all this body of work needs to be staffed uh, by individuals. We need a lot more. Uh, I'm very optimistic about the workforce. I think we're going to need a lot more talent. Uh, we're going to take, and even those who don't have the skill set, I think we're going to upskill them. This is absolutely needed to make this happen. Um, and then, and then that, that's the, the condition for us to succeed in the post-pandemic. You gave me a good segue into what Craig is going to talk about. Craig, let's go to statement number two. In 2020, work from home went from a luxury to a necessity. You just described your work life. The next five years, let's push this out a little bit farther, Craig. The next five years, we'll see the greatest change in the dynamic between employers and employees since the unionization boom almost a century ago. Wow, Craig, that's a great historical perspective. Why don't you take us back that century into unionization and then bring us forward five years? Take about three, four minutes. We've got plenty of time, and then we'll see what Riyadh has to say. Craig, you're up. Sure. So, you know, more, it's, the unionization boom really was a, the advent or, or came because of industrialization, which happened at the latter part of the uh, 19th century, uh, early part of the 20th century, and you know, really was focused in uh, the UK and America, and then spread globally. And the industrialization brought a lot of people into the cities and caused a lot of problems from a from a work life balance perspective. And you know, the, at pre unionization, uh, it was not uncommon for employees to work uh, six or seven days a week. Uh, 12 hour days and and really only have maybe one day off. And so at things like the 40 hour work week, uh, the five day work week, uh, those really, you know, sprung forth from unionization efforts and really transformed the nature of work and the relationship between employers and employees. Where I see the parallels now uh, from that to now is again, in that work-life balance where people work, when they work, how they get paid, uh, all of these questions are, are up for debate. So you see uh, things like uh, Uber and Lyft and DoorDash and the advent of the gig worker, which really empowers uh, the worker to uh, work when they want, when they can, and have a lot of flexibility. But it's not necessarily going to be uh, an equitable relationship there. And you know, as we see with uh, the uh, the proposition in California that passed uh, this past November, I think that this, there's going to be a lot uh, more uh, focus in these types of relationships, uh, working relationships going forward. Uh, additionally, you know, if you look at somebody like me, uh, like I said, I've been working from home uh, for the last five, almost six years now. And, you know, I've talked to colleagues that uh, work near uh, offices and, uh, you know, and, and pre-COVID would have gone into that office at least four days a week, you know, and have had conversations with them and said, hey, are you planning on going back? And they're like, you know, maybe once a week, you know, not, <laughs> not necessarily going back full time. And if you extrapolate that out for the next five years, you know, the, the fact that these people are going to have different work-life balances uh, and, and are going to be working at different times in different locations uh, might not necessarily always be at home. It might be at a Starbucks or it might be at a beach, right? There's no reason to say that you actually have to be in an office setting 
uh, to get your work done as long as you're getting it done. So, you know, what types of impacts is that going to have for, you know, for the, the commercial real estate uh, business? You know, uh, we're going to probably see a, a great reshuffling of where people work. And then that actually also filtering into where people live. Uh, mm -hmm. I actually know that I've had conversations with my wife saying, yeah, you know, our kids are, you know, going to be exiting high school within the decade. Where do we want to work? Where do we want to live? And, in, you know, how do we want to, you know, uh, live the rest of our lives pre, uh, before we actually uh, retire? So these are a lot of questions. And, you know, it's not just myself having those. I, you know, a lot of colleagues are also having uh, these questions as well. So again, I, I do think that the, just the nature of work, how things are getting done, where they're getting done, just is uh, rife for a lot of disruption in the next five to well, I'd say five years. Thank you very much, Craig. Very interesting. Let me go back to gallery view here. Uh, I'm, I'm reflecting that I've, as a broadcaster, I worked from home for many years because I needed the space. I needed the peace and quiet. I needed all my equipment here and it's fine. So for me, there really wasn't a change, but it's interesting. What changed for me was that I had the light bulb go off, Riyadh and Craig, last, oh, let's say March or April. Why didn't I move from telephone, phone-in <laughs> radio shows to Zoom and start seeing people. I had been holding off. Oh, Zoom, I don't know, is it going to work? People said it wasn't secure, blah, blah, blah. And I moved all my radio shows around May, June of 2020 to Zoom. And I'm never going back. This is, yep. I get to watch you. But but the pandemic gave me the idea that everybody's doing it. The video conferencing world was booming what platform did I choose? I chose Zoom. And how could I convert radio? It Radio is now TV. If uh, Sometimes we live stream these shows and you're really watching real-time TV under a radio show banner. So it's very interesting that the, the wherewithal is there. Craig, did you want to say something else? Yeah. So I was actually on one of your last phone-in shows just about a year ago. It was uh -huh. right after the lockdown started. I think it might've been late March or early April. Yeah. And uh, I do remember the... Uh, you know, it was a phone. And yeah, the, the transition to the video, I think it just makes these conversations much more rich. But, you know, again, looking at, uh, you know, my experience, again, I've worked from home for five years, but uh, it wasn't until COVID started that I got this fancy microphone that's right over here, mm -hmm. a high definition camera, I have lights, I have a, a standing desk. So all of these like purchases as well, yeah. that are, are designed to uh, you know, allow me to have a more professional uh, video uh, remote experience. These were all things that I did specifically because COVID made me rethink, you know, how, how best can I, you know, interact with my teammates? How best can I interact with my customers? How best can I interact mm -hmm. virtually, uh, you know, because I'm not able to meet in person. There you go. And it's more up close and personal than it's been in years, given that we can't right. do business travel. Riyadh, anything you want to comment back before I move to your next statement, Riyadh? Yeah, I, I agree uh, with Craig. It's, uh, you know, we've we have we, we've always had to delight customers, and this is not going to change, right? But, mm -hmm. but delight employees and make sure they're comfortable and they can be as productive as they can be. We, we're going to, the businesses are going to have to adjust to that, right? We need these people to be, to run the business, if they say, I need my work-life balance, I need to work in a remote region, I need to take care of my parents, I need to take care of my kids, then we, we have to make it work for them, right? Otherwise, we're not going to be able to, to, like I said earlier, to do the work that's coming. 
So we have to make them as productive as possible so they can they can be loyal and they can be they can be great at what they do in supporting the business. Thank you very much. And let's go to I'm, I waited long enough. We didn't get the echo. That's great. Riyadh, I'm going to your statement number two. This is interesting. You say companies are beginning to we're beginning to consider adopting new technologies pre-pandemic. We're even calling it the pre-pandemic era, pre-2020. That's going to be a new, a new demarket. It was Y2K and pre-COVID. Many projects were slowed down to take care of the core and adapt to the situation. With reopenings, technology adoption will accelerate. Now, without mentioning specific solutions from specific companies we had at a thought leadership level, what kinds of technology adoption, investments, uh, changes in how things are learned, the learning curve incorporated into the, the core of the business? Go ahead, Riyadh, tell us, tell us a little bit, take about three minutes and then we'll get Craig to respond. Riyadh. Sure, sure. When we when we think about these organizations, they all have demand flows, right? Where they get their revenue and they have supply flows and they have their operations in the middle, right? So they need to, you know, satisfy their customers, increase revenue. They have their own targets. They need to reduce costs and they need to run operations more efficiently. They use technologies like the usual suspects, right? The cloud, the big data, the mobile, the IoT, and on and on and on. I'm not going to give you the, the list of all the technologies because we do have um, a proliferation, a perfect storm, quite frankly, a proliferation of technologies. We've had this since the since 2010, 2012, you, you, pick, you pick the date, right? So very recently, and this has all come together at once. So cu customers or organizations have uh, not digested all of this proliferation of technology, all the, and they couldn't do everything at the same time. Uh, so now with this uh, pandemic, and as, we, as, there, as there are new entrants into their market, every single industry is being disrupted by technology and by new entrants, right? So, so companies need to say, okay, I need to modernize quickly. I need to reinvent my business model. I need to grab another, you know, my, I need to keep my customers and grow my customer base and I need to uh, better view or better optimize my supply chain. Um, and so in order to do that, this, they will need these technologies to accelerate their, their move to that target state that they're looking for. Um, and, and these technologies, by the way, that is the mechanism by which they can accelerate the transformation. Let's be clear here. They need obviously people to do that and they need to you know, automate those processes, but technology will accelerate the change and technology will also help them upskill their workers. So we can use learning management systems. We can use IoT to give them and an visualization and mobile to upskill workers much more faster. You don't have to be a PhD in computer science to be able to run a computer system, a very complex computer system. We have mechanisms to do that and to upskill people much quicker than when I was going up the ranks 20 years ago. Right. We can do this much, 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 much faster. Same thing for supply chain practitioners. We, they, they have the tools today that they didn't have 20 years ago. Same thing for customer service reps, right? So, so my point here is that we, 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 we are no longer in, let's wait and, let's wait and see, let's, let's better analyze, let's, let's overanalyze this, the problem. Uh, no, I don't think the risk is that, is that high. No, now there's a sense of urgency. Now people are, are grabbing the significance of the moment. And, and now is the time to really go and execute, not necessarily splurge on technology, but go and execute very quick, quick win initiatives, right? That will help them get those efficiencies one step at a time. And they, they will line up all of these initiatives. They, they will, these initiatives will proliferate, but they will be short and agile and quick and will, return, uh, will have rapid return on investment. 
And, uh, and, and those initiatives will not only help them make, run the business better, but also make the worker more, much more productive uh, and, and, and better position them to manage the threat in their market, right? Uh, with the disruptors and the changing dynamics of the consumer. Craig, thoughts about increasing dynamics of adopting technology, investing in it, learning curves, getting it into the core. Craig, talk to me, please. Sure thing. The first thing I want to say is right as Riyadh was talking, or actually uh, as you and Riyadh were just kicking off that uh, last question that you were talking about pre-COVID and talking about that Y2K, I saw something yesterday where uh, you know we might start be, be referring to t- before 2020 as BC, uh, as in before <laughs> COVID. So we have BC and I guess AC. I don't I don't know what you would call that, but. Uh, for sure, the the before COVID times are definitely going to be a, a demarcation for you know so many of our generations right now. But uh, I, you know to expand on what Riyadh was saying, it's not just about uh, you know the the agility in the systems, right? If you look at individual technologies as well, uh, where I see a lot of change going on is uh, automation has already disrupted a lot of manufacturing. Uh, Automation is continuing to disrupt uh, things like logistics, uh, where you see uh, automation in warehouses. A lot of the big warehouses and fulfillment centers still do have a lot of uh, human-centered work. But uh, increasingly, I think you'll see uh, that work continue to be automated uh, as well. So, you know, as you look at, um, you know, these segments of employee and, and segments of work that continue to be automated, what segments are, are going to be left for humans to actually do, right? And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be things that are uh, not easily automated. So it's going to be things where interpersonal communication and interpersonal contact is going to be uh, of, of a paramount importance. So think of like healthcare providers, not necessarily in the diagnosing because we actually also have uh, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning to help with diagnoses, help with reading of uh, radiographs and things like that. Uh, but the bedside manner, the actual uh, mm. caring for the humans, uh, that's really is going to be important. Additionally, I think that the, 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 uh, you know, the, the ingenuity that of the human mind has is not easily replicatable with uh, AI or machine learning as well. So, you know, things where creativity is of paramount importance uh, still will be uh, where, uh, you know, humans are going to have a, 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 an outsized factor as, as we continue to see uh, automation start to take, you know, other jobs as well. So, you know, it's how can we use that automation plus the human creativity uh, to bring, you know, better new experiences for humans? Because ultimately, that's what we are here to do is to, uh, you know, in, in help out and in, in better the human experience. Mm-hmm. Very, very well put. Riyad, anything you want to add to Craig before I move to a topic from Craig? Uh, just, just one comment. He's right about saying wherever there's a human interaction, or uh, it's a high, high touch area of the business where you, you need, you need to take special care, like in R and D, like in customer service, like um, you know, wherever you need to actually physically move things. Uh, sometimes, depending, so the companies need to take a look at where where those plate spots are in their in their organization, in their process, and end process, and they need to invest more into those areas. And in order to do that, they need to reallocate human capital 
wherever and automate wherever they can. There's, there's going to be a lot of that going on. And this is what I was referring to in terms of, you know, uh, uh, optimization programs and, and uh, continuous improvement programs in the, in, the, in the workplace. Thank you. I'm moving on to statement five. We have about 11 minutes left. We have time for a couple more topics. Craig, I'm looking at statement number five. Just to put into context, today is Tuesday, March 9th, 2021. And yesterday was a celebration around the world of International Women's Day. And as an early woman in tech, I was invited to be a kickoff speaker for the event called Lifting Our Voices for the Women in Big Data Organization. I was very honored to do that. So Craig's statement references that. I think it's a good statement, Craig, to talk about in light of the celebration, I'm going to say, around the world this week. It's not just one day. Craig says, unfortunately, COVID's impact on the workforce has disproportionately affected women in the workforce. Companies that treat women equitably stand to separate themselves from their competition post-COVID. Big statement there, Craig. Why don't you talk to me and then we'll see what Riyadh has to say. Craig, you're up. Sure. So I believe it was either the December or January U.S. jobs numbers uh, when they were released. One of the salient pieces of information that people teased out of uh, that data set was uh, while uh, there was a net gain in jobs uh, across the board, that the, the, uh, the, the gains in all of the jobs were essentially only by men, that there was actually a net loss in jobs uh, for female workers. I believe it was in the, in the, in the December jobs report that was released in January. Um, as somebody who is married to uh, a woman and has two daughters, uh, you know, um, and just needs to exist in the world, uh, I, I look at this and I can't help but have my heart break. Um, you know, I know that when uh, COVID hit our, you know, uh, or, or the impacts of COVID hit our household, uh, it actually did affect my wife a whole lot more than it did me. Uh, she is a, a nurse in the emergency department here in Indianapolis. And uh, while, you know, uh, she obviously was a frontline healthcare worker and was dealing with COVID, uh, her job schedule had the flexibility that allowed her to help with the homeschooling of our children. And whereas uh, my job was a, seemed to have meetings that lined up with, you know, some of the things that they needed to do as well. So, you know, it, it just is a, a, a sad case that, you know, women still are the primary caregivers for children, primary caregivers for other family members. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, are, you know, bear the brunt of, uh, of the, a lot of the negative effects of COVID. So the, the other thing that, you know, people need to realize is recently, uh, of the you know um, valedictorians in the United States, a full seventy percent of them were women. So uh, you know, as you look at the the high achievers, the the smart people, uh, they're overwhelmingly women. So you know, the the companies that are going to be able to work with and not get equitable, not equal, right? Equitable, mm -hmm. which really means lifting up and working with. Uh, the needs of uh, of women, right? First and primary, uh, those are the companies that, because the you know the, the, all of these women are such high uh, high achievers, 
they're the ones that are going to have uh, a competitive advantage moving forward. So, uh, you know, um, it, it's definitely going to take time, but I think we need to get out of the mindset of uh, a male dominated nine to five uh, focused, uh, you know, work life balance and, and really say, all right, let's actually take a look at it from the female perspective. And what does a female work life balance look like? And maybe make the men adapt to that world. Thank you very much. Interesting contextual uh, historical comment. When I was researching for my speaking engagement yesterday, I discovered that I think it was from 1975 to 1986, the United Nations called that the decade of the woman. And there was research done on how many single women had entered the workforce, how many were getting advanced degrees, how many were studying non-traditional topics. And the non-traditional topics, Craig and Riyadh, were business, technology. Those were non-traditional for women back then, interesting enough. So I I was introduced with a, a list of some of these factoids from then, and here we are still having a lot of these conversations, and women were earning a full 50% as much as men in the same jobs way back in the day. Riyad, you want to comment briefly on this, and then we have one more topic. We only have six minutes left to the show, and I want to squeeze in one more topic, so we might not get to go around on it, but I want Riyad to come. Riyad, comment to, to uh, Craig, and then I'll I'll read your next statement. Go ahead. Sure. So happy International Women's Day, International Women's Week, <laughs> quite frankly. We need, we need women in the workplace. I've had many female mentors, and they are, you know, very different. Their, their perspective is different than mine. We need them. We need that diversity of thought, experience, and the, simply the way they manage things is very different than men, obviously. And so we need both, right? We need them. We need, sometimes we women are better at some tasks. Sometimes men are better. This is very, this is very stereotypical, but, but it's true that you need to, you need that diversity so that you can put the best worker in the, in, to, to run a specific task. Um, we also need women because they, there's tremendous uh, source of supply of labor. If we don't have women in the workplace, it's not going to work. We need, much, as I have stated earlier, we need many more workers to be able to help us get to the next phase. And these women are essential in helping us transform. And finally, you know, these millennials that are coming up, mm-hmm. they, they, this, the, the concept of equal work, different pay, that's, that's, that's a foreign concept to them. So they're coming up, 80 million of them. So I'm pretty optimistic about how they're going to be able to change things. And this is not even going to be, I, I'm hoping, right? This is not even going to be a topic. This is going to be, things are going to get better and better and better. We've made a lot of progress over the decades, but I think hopefully we'll close this topic once and for all with this generation that's coming. That was a great comment, Riyad. Riyad, let's see if we can squeeze in this instead of predictions. Let me see if we can squeeze this one in statement number four. You say new entrants have had an opportunity to study the market and figure out the deficiencies of the incumbents in terms of supply chain, technology, costs, and talent. More disruption is coming brought by a fresh set of players who did not have to deal, do not have to deal with the legacy with innovation, they will bring new business models that we have yet to understand. That's a big step. I'm going to make that your closing prediction. Riyadh. And I'm yep. going to let Craig respond to that, if that's okay with you, Craig, because yep. I think this is a good one. So we have four minutes left. Let's take uh, two minutes for Riyadh, 60 seconds for Craig, and then I'll close. Go ahead, Riyadh. Talk to me. Look, the world has been disrupted. People uh, like a lot of uh, ambitious startup companies or new ventures are looking at the deficiencies of the of the established uh, players in the market, regardless of the industry or, or the geographic location where they operate. They've seen these deficiencies. They've seen these, they've observed these businesses, how, how they've had to adapt to this pandemic. And they're able, they, they were able to fine tune their, their pitch, fine tune their operating model, fine tune their business model. 
and uh, and and be and be ready now to compete with these established players. That's this is this is no thing. This is what we do every day, and this has been amplified with the pandemic. So we should expect these players to come in in post-pandemic world if they're not already in in the marketplace, and and to start you know um, grabbing market share and and really disrupting, accelerating the disruption of the established uh, um, you know organizations out there. Um, and so, so this thing is going to this is this is going to force these organizations to to go even faster than they thought they were going to have to open with. And then, and then here we are. So I'm very. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting time to come here, and we are going to have to, like like Craig said earlier, buckle up and 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 get going pretty fast as soon as we get all vaccinated and we're able to go out. Thank you, Riyad. Craig. Sure. So just like the uh, digital native companies disrupted the, the legacy companies, think of Netflix disrupting Blockbuster. I think at post-COVID, you're going to see the virtual native companies start to disrupt the in-person uh, companies. Uh, that's going to be a, a huge trend. Another trend, I think, and we actually didn't talk about this at all today, would be the eco-centric companies also disrupting the non-eco-centric companies. I think, uh, you know, as we progress through the 2020s, those are going to be the, the two areas and the two disrupting uh, forces that are going to upend the legacy companies. Uh, just like the the digital divide uh, upended the the non-digital companies uh, in the early 2000s. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate that. Thank you to both of you for your insightful comments. I love the movie quotes. <laughs> Not great, Bob. <laughs> I'm never going to forget that one. And everybody has to go to The Irishman to see that between uh, between those two, between Jimmy Hoffa and Buffalino. That was really, really cool. Uh, Riyadh, thank you so much for your time. It's been a there pleasure to meet you, and I wish you well. And thank you for your, your comments and your well wishes for International Women's Day. I'm going to make it International Women's Month. I don't know. There are probably a lot of other months happening right now but we're going to add that to the list. And Craig, I wish you and your family well. And is your wife back to work as a nurse in the hospital setting yet? Oh, she she's never been busier, quite frankly. She yeah. happens to be there right now. Uh, so yeah, she's definitely been very busy during COVID. I'm sure that's been quite a challenge for your family sure has. instead of staying safe. Yes, my daughter is a physician in a busy hospital as well. And yes, a full head to toe protection and uh at least she's vaccinated now. So Yeah, yeah, my daughter is too. She was as well. Yes, always those worries. I want to thank our engineer, Aaron Keller. Let's put our hands together for Aaron. Thank you, Aaron, at Voice America. And thank you again to Dana Corder at SAP for putting together a very interesting topic, Dana. And Riyad Samichi and Craig Stasilo really did a good job of bringing this to life. We covered a lot of territory, different than I thought we would. And that's why I like these shows, because I'm encouraging you to have a conversation rather than a speech. And we certainly learned a lot about both of you. So I'm going to say happy International Women's Whatever You're Celebrating. And a shout out to Ira Burke, who has renewed this series at SAP. Ira, thank you. Welcome back for season eight. We're very happy to have Internet of Things with Game Changers here. And the voice in the intro is a gentleman who's no longer with us, but he was one of our very first uh, announcers, very first voiceover talents when we started Game Changers back in 2011. And uh, I miss him dearly. So Bonnie DeGram signing off, Riyadh and Craig, let's wave goodbye.
Bye-bye. Be safe, be smart, be happy. And uh, by the way, put your seatbelt on and live like a game changer because today counts and tomorrow will come if we do the right thing today. And that's not what I usually say, but that's what I feel like saying. So (laughs) have a great one. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 